Hey, Alex. What's up? You know this episode's brought to you by Matthew's Studio Equipment? Really? Isn't that the technology that complements your imagination? Uh, yeah. Sweet. You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Hey, what's up, World Wide Web? This is Brandon Ferris. And this is Alexander Elkins. <laughs> <laughs> and we have lost our minds. Yeah. We are filmmakers. And we are also drinking maybe a bit too much bourbon. And eating bagels. Well, you're eating a bagel. I finished yeah. mine. I mean, we've been involved <laughs> in a podcast marathon today. A podcast. You from Boston? <laughs> this is crazy, right? A podcast marathon. This is our third We're podcast with, today. Wisconsin. Yeah. Right? It is, yeah. It's our third today, but it's actually the first. Our first that you will hear. We've we this is the third podcast we've recorded today, and the first one you're listening to. So we will actually become more sober as you listen to these episodes throughout the weeks. We are coming. We are entering back into the past. Entering back into the past. Currently, it's <laughs> amazing. We're currently entering back into the past. Anyway, uh, we've got a good cool stuff show. today, dude. We've got a great show. We. Big time. Yeah. We, we have a, a very special guest for, from a company that you all know and love. Uh, I mean, we're talking royalty. Fil- yeah, filmmaking royalty. That's this a good is, way to put it. Yeah. This is massive. This is a big deal. I, I would tend to agree. And yeah. we're on episode 97. Which means three more till the grand 100th reveal, and debut. Absolutely. Kill Game, our meetup, our everything. The whole yeah. deal. And what better, what better person company to have on here yeah the mr matthew himself <laughs> <laughs> yeah we do uh we have ed phillips the president ceo of matthew's studio equipment msc you've seen their logo on all the stands and grip gear and yeah i mean everything you know and love you're not making any type of film making anything without touching some of this gear absolutely it's just how it goes down we got to get him on man we got to so let's do this say. yeah dial so up. i'm gonna you know what i'm I need put to, your sandwich down i need to put my sandwich down i need to open the bourbon phone <laughs> Ooh. and get this thing dialed up here so we that go. was the receiver here's the earpiece that's the data coming through <laughs> i think there was a snort in there <laughs> There it is. There it is right Ed, there. Ed, Ed you're right there. there. I'm here. How's everybody? <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm glad you could swim through all that bourbon to get here. Yeah, well, I'm a little drunk, but uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the interview. Oh, nice. Well, we're glad to have you. Yeah, we're stoked, man. You guys are like, uh, you're the OGs, the original gangsters. I mean, I, you can't go on any set without touching something that you guys are a part of. Well... Been a long, a long, a long road and a lot of fun. Forty-eight years so far. Yeah. Well, you guys have, have created some, you know, absolutely innovative, just quality products. Um, kind of a broad question, but can you take us back to the start of it all? Where did you personally get your start, and why did you create or have a part in Matthew Studio Equipment? The company, oh my gosh, the company was originally founded by Roy Isaiah mm. um, back in the middle 60s. 
Roy was a uh, a grip working at Paramount, both on on shows, but also in the canvas room, where he was doing uh, you know sewing and textiles, recovers, butterflies, overheads, and um, had an idea to uh, do it in his garage in the evening after work, uh, which turned into a company, and it was kind of the the introduction to the major studios of outsourcing, where they found that it was far less costly and. Uh, really more advantageous to buy it out than do it, you know, um, on the lot. Although, in those days, everything was done on the lot. All the woodworking, the sheet metal, the welding, the fabrication, uh, maintenance, repair, etc. So, you know, Roy kind of takes claim for introducing outsourcing. I was working at Universal as an electrician. I had some ideas on some lighting fixtures because things were going off the lot. They were, you know, going remote, and we needed to have lighter, faster gear. So um, I decided to work out of my garage, and I started to build some fixtures. Um, They became uh, of interest to the studios. Um, They then began to purchase. I then sold the company to Sheldon Leonard and Fuad Saeed of Taft Broadcasting. Um, Sheldon Leonard was the producer of I Spy back then with uh, Robert Culp. Um, and from there, I met Roy Isaiah um, as he was then a vendor to uh, Cinemobile, which was the Fuad Saeed company. So mm. with that introduction, Roy and I spoke, and we decided if we come together, I could produce the hardware, he could continue on with the soft goods, and we could build a company. And that was... Back in 1968, dude, you were like wow. the Steve Jobs of film gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this it was. Great. You know, if we had taken it, I have to tell you, if we had taken it more seriously, you know, we would be even a larger company. But we were just, you know, basically kids, really having a lot of fun, mm-hmm. um, interacting with you know grips and gaffers and directors of photography and getting ideas from them and building stuff uh innovating things along the way um there was a real small fraternity of manufacturers uh we all got along famously and uh, respected one another and it was really just a lot of fun uh, it wasn't until 1998 when uh, I bought the company back out of the public arena because we had taken it public um, in 1989. So in 98, I bought it back, and that's when I said, you know, I better grow up and take this thing seriously <laughs> <laughs> and make a real company out of it, which uh, which we've been able to do. Well, yeah, absolutely. It definitely seems that way. You, uh, you guys have come up with some some incredible products products that are used on every set who i guess in your company would be responsible for for some of the innovations you yourself you some of the people you work with can you talk a little bit about that coming up with new products yeah sure in 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 the early days um it was really you know people would say well where do you get these ideas you know who who does your engineering um and it was the, the the actual practitioner it was the grip the gaffer uh who would come in and share what their needs were, and then I would kind of design and engineer it, and we would fabricate some prototypes, and yeah. either it would work or it wouldn't, and, uh, and either became a product or it didn't. Um, yeah. As the company has grown, we now have you know an engineering department. We do everything on SolidWorks. 
we produce all the, the components on numerically controlled CNC machinery as opposed to the older conventional lathes and mills. Um, and we have the engineers. Tyler is now very much involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's of the, the current generation. You know, I myself am probably two years younger than God. So so do you guys still, are you still driven by, by the field? So do you still have guys that, you know, that contact you and say, look, I had this set up. I was trying to, you know, do this jiggy bob and, you know, it just... You know, nothing was getting the angle that I needed. It would be really helpful if it had a ball joint, you know, uh, zigger bobber. And is that something you guys have ever thought about? Is it is that still happening where people come to you with like needs, and you guys are saying, okay, let us recreate this and sort of innovate this new piece of gear? Yeah, exactly. Um, and we're very proud of the fact that um, the company has a culture of integrity. Um, not only with respect to how we treat the people who work with us here, but how we treat those who um, use our gear and, and feel comfortable enough to bring us these ideas where we then pay royalty to the person with the idea. They may not have anything more than a concept, or they may walk in with a prototype. Um, mm. But rather than um, you know rip their intellectual property, which is rude, um, we work a deal whereby then as this product comes to market and if it sells, then they each get what we call mailbox money every quarter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Steve, Steve Cardellini, who invented the Cardellini clamp, of which there are thousands, yeah. um, contacted us 16 years ago, and we made a deal where we then produced the Mathalini. Steve continued on with his Cardellini, and, uh, you know, every year, Steve, and we sold tens of thousands of these things over the years oh, yeah. all over the world. Um, you know, and Steve would call every Christmas and thank us for a great year and thank us for putting his two daughters through uh, university <laughs> and thanked us for a new pickup truck he was able to buy every couple of years. <laughs> so, you know, it worked out well for the consumer because they had choices. Yeah. It worked out well for Steve and his family, and it worked out well for Matthews. And that's just one example. You know, we've got the duty dolly we brought out just a couple, I don't know, about a year ago. Yeah. Um, we saw that at the last the baby. Yeah. Yes, you did. Well, and well, that's I don't, the baby I don't, of James. I don't know that I remember that. What is that? It's a... You the go ahead the duty that. dolly is, is a very... Um, um, unique design for a three-foot square dolly that'll run on a smooth surface without track or if you want to suspend the camera um, and and drop it below we can go over a set um, you can you can run track you can run pipe you can run tubing you can run if you know it with with the content producers today the guys that have to you know travel as light as possible um you know you could take two rails off your 12 by 12 frame and use it as dolly track mm-hmm. um, gotcha. it's an incredible tool it's being very well received and that's the that's the the, the brainchild of a, a key grip by the name of james sal duty otherwise known as duty yeah i think he was actually demoing <laughs> that at nab if i remember yes correctly. he was yeah, yeah he was yeah, awesome. he loves it very you know? nice guy the thing i yeah. loved about that duty dolly 
was how low you could get to the ground that you can't do with some of the other systems. <coughs> that's still, true. Still get you some can movement. get within two inches of the floor. Yeah. yeah, incredible. That's that's great. I love that about your culture. That's really cool that, that you know, any yeah. idea is a good idea. I, I'm dying to know, though, and I'm hoping you have some history or some answers to this, but what's the origin behind the C-stand? I mean, that's the most, you know, iconic piece of equipment on any film set. You guys obviously are known, you know, for heavy-duty, yeah. reliable C-stands. Let's talk C-stand for a minute. You know, what do you got? What do you got on, you know, how did it come to be? How did you guys, you know, come to make yours so, you know, widely known? C-stands. Well, um... There are a couple of explanations. I've researched them, and and both appear to be true. One um, is a little more glamorous than the other, so I'll start with the <laughs> less glamorous <laughs> version, which co- comes out of New York, uh, where you know at the turn of the century, Edison invented the light bulb, and uh, uh, film was in its infancy, um, and there were. Uh, a couple of manufacturers for fixtures back then, one of whom was Tlegel Brothers. Tlegel Brothers built what we called back then the Tlegel Light. Some of your listeners may have heard of that if they went to film school. <laughs> the Tlegel Light also became famous for giving actors and crew members Tlegai, which <laughs> is no different than if you overexpose your retina to the sun or a welding torch where the Tlieg light was a carbon arc, which is as close to sunlight as you can get. Um, But it had no lens or Fresnel. The Fresnel had not yet even been put into practical use. And so there was no barrier to hold the UV back, and therefore, you know, the the actors, crew, and others got this eye infection. But there was Tlegel Brothers, and then there there was another company there called Century Lighting. Well, every stand that Century Lighting put out just became known as a century stand. Not a C-stand, but a century stand. Now, the story I'm about to share with you is my, my most favorite. While um, Cecil B. DeMille, who was making films in New York, was looking for constant sunlight, which he couldn't get out of New York, he decided to travel west to chase the sun. Now, they say had he taken the inland route by train, He probably would have gotten off in Phoenix, Arizona, and God forbid Phoenix might have become Hollywood. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. It's so hot. It's so hot there. And that's with all due respect to your Phoenix listeners. Mm, But, um, you know, thank God he took the inland route, and he got off in Los Angeles, you know, and he said, this is going to work. And so in about 1922, they started building stages. The stages were built outside on... Uh, carousels so they could turn the stage to follow the sun and the sun was the key light but they still needed to control the light source just as we do today so they went to the theater and they hired stagehands out of the theater the stagehands then came to work for the studios carrying what we would call a ditty bag they called it a grip and in their grip was their hammer their nails and all of their other tools so that also gives you how the grip was born. This is amazing. My they mind needed, is exploding right now. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> keep, keep going. But what, what they needed to, to do, as we must do today, is control that light, whatever the source may be. Mm-hmm. 
And so they had certain textiles, whether it was, you know, uh, sheets, uh, bed sheets, cotton percale sheets, or um, tree branches, you name it. And they needed to be able to, you know, support those um, in the sun uh, and control the light on the rotating set. So the grips then built non-telescopic, what looked like wooden easels, and they would nail these various things off to these wooden easels. Well, they were non-telescopic, so they had a 50-inch model, a 100-inch model, a 200-inch model, and of course slang, which is uh, part of our industry, came into being, and so the 100-inch easel became known as the century stand. Ah, 100-inch. Got it. That totally makes sense. When did did they start making the telescoping, like the version that we know today with the head? The studios were the the first to build them out of metal. They were a welded base. They didn't fold up, but they had the three-stepped legs, which were originally designed to nest on stage and not consume a lot of space when not in use, but also to, to be able to be positioned under a lighting stand or close about the lighting stand or under a coffee table or a chair or what have you with that one low leg. But they were, you know, they were not very portable. So when we began to build the C-Stand, we were the first company to build a folding leg C-Stand, and that was in about 1973. Um, It wasn't too long thereafter, we were the first company to build a spring-loaded folding leg C-stand. And as years went by, we began to sell thousands and thousands every year. Of course, we've been, you know, copied by so many other manufacturers, of which I don't have a problem with some of that in that I think that's part of the free enterprise system, you know. And so if somebody is going to copy something and make it better, then I'm all for it because, you know, that's what allowed us our entree into this industry. But when somebody copies something exact as more and more is being the case because they really don't understand what it does, they just have a cheap source of supply and want to get into the market with a cheaper product that may be dangerous at some point in time, but at least they didn't have any research or development costs involved. Some people will say, well, that's flattering you know, that somebody wants to copy your product, and I say BS, that's the cheapest form of engineering there is. Yeah, um, But, you know, as we began to um, gain our recognition worldwide, where we were selling, you know, into Europe and um, here across the United States, we were selling back then, um, back, let's go to the 90s. In the 90s, we were selling about twelve to 15,000 C-stands a year. Last year, we sold 17,000. Wow. So, you know, one might ask oneself, with all... Oh, man. For the 40 years no, wait, we've whoa, been whoa. doing it, where we, the hell did they all go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so you know, just for the listeners, you dropped out for just one second, but I, I think the context is still there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. We were talking CSS. So I have a question. So this would be, I guess, and maybe maybe I'm not up to speed with what you guys are developing, but I think as a someone who's worked in this industry, C stands are they're heavy. Yeah. And I don't want to have to carry them necessarily. Have you so. guys 
are you have you experimented with like graphite mm. C stands or like some sort of option that's just a lot lighter and a little more I easy to transport? Here's the yes we have and <laughs> I you said, know, here's sorry don't make don't make them out of graphite <laughs> that'll splinter everywhere <laughs> <laughs> don't make them out of graphite we're not trying to draw with these C stands uh, I think I was ex- it's part of painting with light yeah I was <laughs> drawing I was with thinking a of uh, what's the other thing carbon fiber carbon fiber the uh, golf carbon club fiber yeah, yeah. yep, yep. Uh, so so talk a little bit about that you know is there a I guess you guys have studied I'm assuming you studied. Yeah. That there's a sweet spot when it comes to weight and safety and utility, and why sometimes this gear has to be heavy duty. I mean, obviously, you guys are known for like heavy duty, well crafted. You only need to buy one; it'll last for a lifetime. Gear. I'm assuming there's a reason behind that. Well, yeah, there is, and it, it has to do with the fact that um, you know that. There are plenty of film schools. There's there's great opportunities for learning, um, but part of what we do is unscripted in the sense that you know you're you're in the hot seat, you're on set, you know you need to get this light over here or over there. More and more C stands are being used as lighting stands, which mm-hmm. is not real smart, but they are. Um, and we put stress loads on certain things that we as a manufacturer can't control. All we can do is try our best to find a happy medium which will give you a safe, secure tool to get the job done that also offers you versatility. And I'm afraid in some instances, if we go too lightweight, then we're going to create a problem. We're not necessarily going to solve a problem. Right. Then it Uh, it could potentially become unsafe. Correct. Correct. You know, we... uh, uh, we learned a lesson years ago, and I don't know, you know, how much time we have on this this conference. But um, I'll begin to share the story, and I'll condense it to the best of my ability. When I first got in the business, and I'm working at Universal on the back lot before there was ever a City Walk, and I'm pulling back then. We used Forot, uh, which is huge cable, uh, weighs one pound per foot, and every roll was a hundred feet. So I'm pulling 100 pounds up the back lot, up the up the mountain, to where City Walk is today, and there was a big old movie set up there. And I keep falling down in the dirt, and it's hot, and I get up, and I pull some more, and I fall down in the dirt. And one of these many times I fell down, I look down on the lot, and I see all the suits coming in through the gate to go into the parking structure in their Mercedes and BMWs and what have you. And I just sat there in the dirt, and I looked down, and I said, someday, I don't know how, but someday I'm going to be one of those guys. Well, if you fast forward until um, 1987, where we had a crane called the Tulip Crane, and it was a unique product in that you could fold it up, you could get it up on a roof, you could get it in places you couldn't put a conventional crane. It was in uh, Florida working on a Burt Reynolds movie called Stick, Um, And it could roll on track. And unfortunately, the crane operator rolled the crane off the track. Um, It had nowhere to go but down. And several people were injured. So again, fast forward. There's a meeting held at the CEO's office of Universal. Burt Reynolds is there. All the lawyers are there. I'm called in because I represent the company who built this product. And as I'm going through the guard gate in my little red Mercedes and my very best suit, 
I look up at that mountain and I said, shit, I made it. <laughs> I'm getting the crap. I'm getting the crap suit out of me. <laughs> right? But but I made it. <laughs> that so, is, you know, I that is one office. of the best stories ever told on this podcast. That is amazing. <laughs> wow. What a Which what? just goes to yeah, it just goes to show if if you have a stick to itiveness, if you have a, a a purpose, if you believe in what you're doing, you know, um, you can you can survive, you can beyond survive, you can succeed, wow. and uh, you know, just to give you the the conclusion of that, which was the object lesson of the whole event, um, we were able to settle literally on the courtroom steps where the attorneys came to us and said, do you want to know what we're going to be asking Mr. Phillips, which is so unconventional. <laughs> and of course we said, yeah, what? And they said, we're going, to, we're going to admit that our operator was under the influence because we know you know that. Whoa. And so we're going to admit to that. But at the same time, we're going to ask Mr. Phillips one question, and that is, where on this machine did he um, caution not to be used while under the influence of drugs or alcohol? Oh, my God. Wow. And so with, with that, we were held accountable for 10% of the damage, uh, and Universal had to suck up the other 90%. But the lesson there was don't put something into commerce that isn't safe or well-labeled. Uh, because you're dealing with people, lives, families, and that's a responsibility that we Matthews take seriously. Wow! Wow! Man, you were the. That was a great story, and it, you brought it full circle. That I love that. Yeah, I love what, the, what a great thing. Back to the. Do you, yeah. do you have a so so that's the C stand? Do you well, have? I, I have a question regarding yeah, the C stand. I was going to say, you know, things are evolving all the time in this industry. We have different versions, different, you know, capabilities. And it's a very simple question. Is the C-Stand the best that it can be? Has it been perfected? Or do you think that there is a version yet to be created that can expand on its capabilities? Maybe the B or the A-Stand. <laughs> the M-Stand. You know, I think it's an excellent question. And um, I think everything can be improved. Uh, and the C-Stand, you know, being... Um, gosh, the foundation of so much, I think, deserves another iteration. And we're looking at, at certain things. Just like, for example, we came out recently with what we call My Way. My Way is a mounting system that will require far less gear to be in transport, and it's far more versatile. Um, probably the world's first interchangeable grip system. Yeah. Uh, you'll Ooh, see it wow. coming out in the next few months. Yeah, it's really very cool. That's because, cool. again, people have to travel lighter, faster, um, yeah. and less expensively. So what? that's part of the mantra of what we're trying to do. Well, what about this? I'm going to give you an idea. Whether or not I get a mailbox money is up to you. <laughs> what, about a, what, about a, what about a carbon fiber-esque... C stand with a built-in gyroscope that can never be knocked over. <laughs> oh my god! So it's light. It's, so it's lightweight. It's lightweight, but it's active, and it responds to the weight that's put into it. And it's essentially uh, a smart a smart stand. 
smart C stand? Have another have another drink. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> oh, I'm a, going, this is gonna cost I'm a dream million dollars to make. I'm a dreamer. <laughs> Uh, I don't think the demand is there, and, and it can second it can second as like camera stabilization. Oh my god! Well, there you go. It's it's a it's a do all. It does everything. What right? I think Ed's saying is is he's giving you his blessing to create that company yeah. and, okay. s- and see if you hey, can make. It. You don't worry. When I pull up in my Mercedes, we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll share another little. Uh, uh, footnote of you know um, interest, at least what I think is interest. I was contacted, um, I don't know, a couple weeks or a month ago, and they wanted to know, you know, what did the digital revolution in filmmaking? How did that affect grip equipment? Mm. And I, you know, I said, wow, that's an interesting question. Um, it must have at some point, uh, but in what way? And mm. the following came to me when I said to them. Uh, CNC machinery. Mm. And they said, pardon me, what, what are you talking about? I said, well, if you go back to 1969 and you look at inflation, when we were building C-stands, we were selling them in 1969 for $150. If you take 1969 money and inflate it to what it would be today, that $150 would be close to a but well, we sell a C stand for hundred and fifty dollars. It'd be close to so how? How much? could we do that? Say again, yeah. you you cut out for you one second. Out. It would be what would be the equivalent? It, it would be the equivalent of nine hundred and fifty dollars, wow. close to a thousand dollars for a C stand. And still today, a C stand will sell for as as little as hundred and fifty dollars. So how do you do it? You do it through digital machinery and yeah. digital. Uh, science whereby one person can run more than one machine and those machines run almost unattended and they make perfect parts mm. yeah so cost of production comes it, down yeah yeah here's a question exactly. uh, this is the last question on c-stands how many knuckles are you guys responsible for busting <laughs> <laughs> on the advice on the advice of counsel I can't answer that. <laughs> True. Oh, I think it's it's properly labeled in the uh, documents how to use. Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, unofficially. That's amazing. Millions of knuckles. I I got uh, I got a question. Out of all the different types of products that you guys manufacture, do you have a specific favorite? Something that you you hold near and dear to your heart? Oh boy! Um, so much has changed over the years. You know, it's. Uh, I think a couple of years ago we came out with what we called or call the Infinity Arm, uh, which is an articulating arm to be used on a camera. Um, because more and more we're trying to build things that come around the camera, hold the camera. What was used years ago, um, you know, is just cumbersome. It's heavy. It's bulky. Today it's got to be lighter weight. Again, streamlined. Um, and so we did this Infinity Arm, which uh, is an articulating arm. It's made here. Uh, it's a, a very robust arm. Um, we spent a lot of time and love and energy and money in its development and a story of interest we showed it um in england at the bsc um two years ago 
uh, and that show takes place in February. By the time, only two months later, we got to NAB uh, in April in Las Vegas, there was an exact copy of it from a Chinese manufacturer. Wow. Oh, wow. So the it game- took them only two months Oh, yeah. Somebody saw it, took it back, and they replicated it. That's crazy. So the game, yep. the, in that regard, the game has changed. And are you guys? Can you protect from that, or is it? How how has that changed a bit? Where you know, is there are ideas even intellectual? Property yeah, like does that even exist anymore? Or is it just China? Oh yeah, but it's it's here's the problem. You know, you can you can do a provisional patent, which we're beginning to do more and more of on new products which guarantees us one year um, where we have that year to show the product get feedback make modifications and then we have to make a decision are we going to go full-blown for a, a patent which can cost six seven eight ten thousand sure. uh, dollars on a product that you know doesn't carry the kind of margin that would get you a return on that investment and yet if you don't it's not like the old days where there was this sense of integrity it doesn't exist so you know without the patent protection you're just you've done all this hard work you put all this love and emotion into it and somebody comes along and knocks it off so that's the heartbreak of you know the decision that uh, has to do with how do you protect your intellectual property it's not as easy as is you know you write a script and you can you know you can register that script you know with the writers guild and you can yeah yeah and you're pretty much covered it doesn't work like that and and, and then at that after you pay all these fees to lawyers and then you pay the government to run it through the USPTO which is the United States Patent and Trademark Office you really don't get anything back from the government except that you're registered. Mm-hmm. If somebody violates your registration, now you have to go hire more lawyers to go fight whomever it was who violated your property. Yeah, it's up to you. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, you, yeah, it's a it's they're tough decisions that that we make. Um, as I age out, Tyler will be making them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's gonna, that brings me to my to my next question. What's that like? What what's it like running a business with your son? What's the? How did it start out? How has the you know delegation, you know, progressed up till what it is now? Um, you know, I kind of put everything out there, you know, and I don't do a lot of, uh, um, what would you say? Uh, uh, editorial on it. I, so I guess I, I'll, I'll tell you the whole story of when Tyler was in college and I would go to visit him. He was up in Santa Barbara. Uh, and I wasn't real happy with what I saw. And he said, you know, Dad, this this school is rated like number two or three as a party school. And mm. He said, I think I'd like to transfer. And I said, hey, that's great, bud. Where do you want to go? He said, I think I want to go down to San Diego. They're rated number one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I went to OU. I know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now he's down in San Diego and he's working for Bank of America and he's taking finance and he's thinking about wanting to be an investment banker. And I went down to visit him and uh, again, I didn't get a good solid feeling. And I said, What's the matter, pal? He said, Well, you know, Dad, we spent a lot of money. I've spent a lot of time and. I don't want to be an investment banker. I said, what do you want to be? He said, well, that's the problem. I don't know. I said, well, that's what college is all about sometimes. You know, you find out what you like and what you don't. I said, have you ever thought about the industry 
that I serve? He said, no, and, and, you know, I said, it's got marketing, it's got the creative side, it's got the business side, it's got everything. It's a community within and of itself. He said, well, how how would I get into that? I said, I'll transfer you to a film school, you know, like Northridge, um, and you're probably going to have to attend an extra year, but you can come out with a knowledge of all the different aspects of image capture and, you know, the industry. Which he did, and he fell in love with it, and he excelled, and he did really, really well. Yeah. Um, and so while he was serving his uh, senior year, he was doing an internship over at NBC. He called me one day, and he was all excited. He said, I think they're going to offer me a full-time position upon graduation. I said, hey, that's great, son. Congratulations. And I hung up the phone, and then I thought, well, now what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> because, you see, I, ne- I never made that recommendation or suggestion while he was in school because I didn't want him to think if he screwed up, right, he could always go to work for the old man. Yeah. So I called him right back, and I said, let's have lunch. We did. I said, have you ever thought about working with me? He said, what took, me so, what took you so long? So upon graduation, he came over here. That was seven years ago. He's been just a dynamo. There are some differences. I mean, we're blessed that we're able to do this together as father and son. We really, truly are. But, you know, there are some social differences, um, mostly having to do with, you know, age and perception and his youthful eyes versus my, you know, older eyes. And, you know, for example, you know, we may be having a, a meeting or a discussion or conversation, and he's face down in his smartphone, and I have to tap him and say, do you want to look me in the eye while we're talking, please? You know, yeah. well, that's my old school versus the way, you know, people do business today. Yeah. Um, I went to the Academy to view um, uh, the preview of La La Land, which I thought was a phenomenal picture, yeah. especially the opening scene. But the flavor of the whole movie produced and directed and written by two of the youngest guys I've ever seen in the industry. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. Which, is, which just but just proves there's a ton of talent. It's getting the opportunity that's really, yeah. you know, the hardest part. Well, I, that's such a great story you told there with your with your son. I think it's really uh, inspiring and compelling, and, and says a lot beyond just the industry, but about relationships. And I think that's great. So you know, I encourage you guys to keep keep that good relationship going. I've got a, a son myself who's eight, and I often wonder what in the hell he's going to do with his life. Um, so I, I appreciated that anecdote, and uh, but I also realized that I feel like my pitch was to the wrong person. I need to pitch my idea to your son because he, because <laughs> you're you're you know what I mean. You're you're the old you're the old timer. You're the old timer. You don't even, you don't even know what a gyroscope is. Oh, you know all, all you know is like heavy metals and you know uh, oh busted gosh. knuckles. But your son, however. He's the one who right now is developing the patent oh, for what we'll call the brand the Brandoni. Uh, the Brandoni, the Brandoni. Stand, <laughs> the, the, the Brandoni stand, which was going to revolutionize filmmaking. Oh my gosh! <laughs> hey, I'm you know I think you're absolutely right, as evidenced by the fact that when you were talking about gyroscopes, I thought you meant stethoscopes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, oh, is revolutionary. Tyler, Tyler's your guy. Ideas. Tyler's Talk my guy. to Tyler. He's Tyler. your guy. Yeah, That's we'll set funny. that up. Uh, what uh fun. so has has Tyler been able to you know maybe a dumb question has he brought uh, a different energy a different perspective has has he kind of changed the way that that things go around there or is he 
still cutting his you know, teeth, shadowing and yeah, cutting his teeth. Yeah. No, he's. You know, I gave him um, a lot of rope, and he's only hung himself a couple of times, <laughs> um, and that's part of the learning experience. But uh, he's full of energy. Um, he is passionate about what he does. He's brought a whole new landscape to the company um, in terms of it being more cutting edge. Uh, he's uh, bringing us closer to the user population because, quite frankly, they're closer to his age than they are mine. Um, there's a better ability to identify both in the way in which we market the products, we're changing that, um, and the way in which we try and uh, engage and identify with people. His, uh, you know, social set is people, younger people who are filmmakers, um, you know, and uh, uh, those who, you know, do content and, and just about every facet of it. So uh, where I wouldn't be able to uh, maybe identify and understand the culture, he fits right in and he's keeping Matthews cutting edge. So hopefully we can keep this legacy going. That's great. Good partnership, you too. Yeah. yeah, and you guys, I mean, you guys do a lot of different things, right? I mean, you're not just this sort of uh, establishment company. I mean, you guys have, uh, it looks like you have like a garage sale. You guys are, um, you know, innovating some new things you had mentioned earlier. You know, what do you what are you excited about right now? What do you guys either got in the hopper or what's what are some things that, you know, enable you to get, you know, connected to the, to the, uh, the filmmaking community at, at new and different levels? Um, well, you know, you mentioned the garage sale, and that was that was Tyler's um, um, creation. It was his idea. Uh, he, you know, said, you know, we we have gear that over the course of a year um, becomes uh, not abused, but certainly used, which is demo equipment that we use at trade shows, whether we loan out to other manufacturers to support their stuff. Uh, and he said, I think that this party that we do every year after Cinecure would be a great opportunity to give, you know, our friends and clients and customers um, an opportunity to get good equipment, you know, that's only slightly used at a very attractive price. And so we did it three years ago strictly for the Matthews uh, equipment, and it worked really well. It's grown over these years to the point where uh, this past uh Cine gear. We had Anton Bauer, we had Cartoni, Cineo, Hive Lighting, K56, Light Panels, O'Connor, Vinton, Quasar Science, Sockler, and of course Power Gems and Matthews. Wow. So it may very well continue to grow as the years go by. But that was a that was a Tyler, you know, innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's cool. The I, thing I, the I, thing I appreciate about that is that really shows your all's commitment to giving back and connecting with the filmmaking community. You know, a lot of times, you know, you know, as a, an owner of a small business, a small production company, you know, you don't have infinite budget and infinite resource to build your kit. And, and, and so when companies and brands do things like you're talking about, um, what seems insignificant to some, to smaller people in one-man bands or whatnot, becomes a really big deal, you know, to save, you know, to save a chunk of money and get a nice quality piece of gear is is a really big deal. So that's really cool. Yeah, I I, I feel really good about it, and uh, um, it's fun to see the enthusiasm on the part of those who are you know making great deals and walking out of here with. 
stuff they otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford. Uh, and they're very grateful, and we're grateful that they're here and that they can see our facilities and our factory and, and better engage with us and feel more comfortable in coming by more often. That's awesome. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Do you, uh, so your gear works on pretty much every movie, every show, every everything that comes out. Is there anything specifically that you or you and your son or you and anybody else in the company likes to watch? Anything that gets you inspired? Um, anything, any shows, movies you like? Well, uh, uh, you know, yes. I mean, how can you not have become maybe addicted if if it got that far to Breaking Bad, you yeah. know, a Netflix production? Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, and from that, you, there there was Narcos, and now you know, House oh, of yeah. Cards. The, the quality of those productions are just, it's amazing. The quality of everything from the writing to the acting, the directing, the camera moves, the lighting. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Mm. Um, I, I'll tell you, you know, what, Ed, <laughs> I, I hear a man after my own heart. I hear a <laughs> fan of drama, a fan of good writing, a fan of good acting, a fan of quality cinema. cinema. Now, on the other chair in this room oh. is Alex, who happens to... <laughs> he, oh, you he, put me like he, that. He happens to be a fan of a, in of my opinion, entertainment. A, a despicable genre. A, a genre that undermines the sturdy and hearty, steadfast <laughs> qualities of C-Stands <laughs> and Matthews. Oh, my God. He he subscribes to a genre known as the superhero genre. I love superhero. And, oh. and here's the thing. This podcast, this is the 97th episode. Just about every episode, we enter back into this debate. This was the first debate. The first show we ever did was titled superheroes suck and it was my statement that drew a line in the sand and said alex superhero movies are the worst thing that ever happened and he pushed back and said brandon we all got into this to be a part of great entertainment superhero movies are unbelievably entertaining and this is an ongoing debate and we yeah. ha we have a legend like you on the phone and now is the time for you to step up and make your statement are you in or are you out are you superhero movie <laughs> or are you anti-superhero movie Oh my gosh! Um, I'll tell you if you if you would classify Avatar as a superhero movie, mm. I would be in on that picture. As far as the others, I don't get it. Don't get interesting. It. Interesting. But, but here's my question, Ed: Does "don't get it" classify as disgust, hate? <laughs> You know, cancel. <laughs> okay, look. Listen. So, is there a chance that I can sway you, my friend? And here's the thing: to the, to the light side. All all, pol all politics aside, we all know good business. You need superhero movies to sell C stands. We get that, but we're talking about a personal, off the record preference on movies you will pop in and actually watch. Where do you stand? Which would be your favorite? And I'll make a point to go see it. 
There, uh, no, there is no favorite. I mean, yeah. think of all the Marvel films. Well, but you got Dark think of, Knight. Think You've of got the, think Batman of, Begins. Uh, think you, of it all. You know? Think of all of that, and then think of the wonderful shows you just mentioned. Narcos, Breaking Bad, beautiful dramas, great storytelling. Well, there's, it's not an and, if or and. <laughs> you know, it's not a this or that. It's a, <laughs> it is. No, no, no. no because I also love uh, House of Cards. I love Narcos. It doesn't matter. I'm saying... All right, we, superhero films. Do you, would you watch them, or would you say I think that's a waste of resources? We had a modifier. You just gave us a modifier with Avatar, which Avatar is a whole other podcast episode we can get into. Do not classify superhero, and I don't think it's a superhero. So you got to, right. you've got to, you've got to make a decision. I got well. I got to pull up Marvel. I, I, you know, okay. I haven't looked at any of them because Iron I Man, can't. Avengers, Thor. Are you Thor? Iron we're talking Man. About okay, Thor. Iron. Iron Man, I did see, and I really enjoyed it. Yes, that oh. doesn't count as a win. Check. He's talking about one film. Check mark. No. Check. Stop. Alex wins. <laughs> Look, no. This debate. No. We will get a debate. Ed Phillips. We need an answer. Superhero movies. Yes or no? Man, could I get away with saying they have their place? No. Yes. No. <laughs> That's a no. yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the case, then I win. Then it's a yes. Unbelievable. Uh, wow. You're a true businessman. You're, <laughs> you're a true politician, Ed. I respect your ability to... Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> 97 episodes oh. to have a legend of the filmmaking community agree with you. I, consi- I consider that a... Of uh, all people. Yeah, in addition to the light you side. You know what? You know, I agree. People yeah. like you do have their place. Oh, yeah. my place. Yeah, you have a place. It's a much lower place. A place of lower, in, a lower integrity. Uh, but lower. I'm, I'm out of the elements and protected. Oh, my gosh. Ed, um, are you drinking anything? <laughs> do, do, you, do you partake? I did last night, guys. Yeah, do you, you know? Are you a bourbon guy? Uh, yeah, are you, are you a, a bourbon guy? Tequila, whiskey, I- vodka. What are you doing? I'd, I'd like absolute vodka. Oh, ah, the classic. Clean. clean. The clean, yep, clean. jam. Okay. Well, if we're if we uh, we're out there soon, we'll have to bring you uh, some a bottle of the dirty stuff. Yeah, we'll get uh, you some bourbon. Yeah, we'll get you some bourbon out there. Give me some bourbon? Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. Oh, we, I, uh, and, 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 an, and an IV, will you? <laughs> <Yeah>. So the, <laughs> the, uh, the other thing is we... Yeah, we have a... So, Actually, since we're doing a podcast marathon today, we technically have recorded two episodes that our listeners will hear in the future. One of which was uh, with a guy named Luke Seerveld, who runs a YouTube show called Meet the Gaffer. Uh, It's an educational resource. He talks about lighting and all sorts of stuff for kind of up-and-comers and people in the industry. And he had a A message. message, you know, he'd like passed along to you. He said... I'd like to tell Ed, uh, I really like the spring-loaded junior stands and the beefy, quote, rail dolly stands are real crowd-pleaser. And he included a smiley face. So we just wanted to pass that along that these guys that are also putting out educational content have really great things to say about your gear. Yeah. Oh, that's nice to hear. And the other thing to piggyback on is one thing that you guys do that is super cool to the community Shows like ours, shows like like his and other podcasts and shows that are out there, you guys are always super supportive. Not only do you come on and share your knowledge, but you also do really kind stuff like give stuff away. 
and you guys are have have I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, somebody from your organization said that uh, we could give away two Matthews C stands. We talked a lot about C stands today. They're the bread and butter of any set, and we're we're able to give away two of those on this show. And we got to say thank you so much. That is that is really tremendous, and our audience is going to really appreciate that. Well, it's our pleasure, you know, in in uh, production, as you guys both well know. You know, you can get away with one camera, but it's hard to get away unless there's a a mood or an ambiance one's trying to create with a single light yeah. or a single stand. You have to have at least two or three of them. So hopefully, whichever of your viewers lucky enough to get these two, they'll enjoy them. Well, that's that's great. We think so, and we think with the resources that uh, Luke and we we like to think and a couple other uh youtubers and podcasters provide that they'll be able to use those stands you know in the way that they're intentioned so well, well great ed, thank you and i'll tell you what you have been a joy man we've really enjoyed this episode and i i would we would love to have you back on maybe we could do a duo with with uh, tyler um yeah. and I, I just maybe in the future we can get you guys back on but this has been a lot of fun your stories are legendary yes well, thank you both very much. Um, uh, I've had a good time. Thank you for having me on. I would love the opportunity of doing it again with Tyler. Yeah. Uh, it would be even uh, a more classic <laughs> presentation. <laughs> but I wish you all continued success. Cheers to everybody, and thank you so much again for having me on. Well, Thanks cheers, so much. Ed. Thank Appreciate you. it, Ed. Have Take a good care, one. guys. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. What wow. amazing! What a day! Oh, just a legend! What a day, dude! His stories were amazing. Yeah, the Burt Reynolds story. God, he's he's fantastic, and he's a great storyteller. He is. I could listen to him for hours. Oh my gosh! I know. And I think that that's the coolest thing about the filmmaking community is it has such a rich history. You well, know, it's rooted in storytelling, right? In <laughs> the mean, in the in, in I love how the the seasoned guys, the veterans, the old timers. They love to share that knowledge and they love to pass yeah. that on. That's so cool. I can't wait to. Totally. I want to be old like that. Well, he. I want to be old. I it's not tell just stories. old. It's it's integrity. The the fact yeah. that he. I don't like, mean old in a negative. No, way. no, no. I mean experienced. I'm just saying to touch on something that he brought up, like yeah. the the fact that they'll partner with somebody for an idea and then make sure they sign right. a deal to give royalties. Like that. It's not something that every businessman does. Yeah. But they recognize that they're part of a community. Things get around. And we everybody's got to be there for each other. Sure, so, just a good dude. That's how the Brandoni's going to get made. The Brandoni, Ta- the smart d- stand. D- be honest, tell me. That's a pretty good idea. The stand that never falls over. I think my silence speaks volumes. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, here's the thing: we mentioned the giveaway. We sure. had you heard from the source itself. You heard from the C stand. It's going down. Uh, dude, the history on the C stand was awesome. Right? How cool is that? <laughs> Unbelievable. Really fun. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know Century yeah. Lighting. Okay. Yeah, really cool. cool. So Matthews has given away two C stands. We're talking three hundred and fifty ish value. This is quality. The best. I gear. mean, th- yeah, they're top of the line in the industry. Um, so. All you need to do is get on the social medias and connect with at FDB Podcast. Connect with at Matthews Grip. Yep. Use the hashtag FDB giveaway and share the episode 97. Totally. That'll enter you to win. If you share other episodes, I think like well, it's 95 gotta be the, or 6. No, the previous episode or next episode. So once you'll hear this first, later on, episodes 98, 99, you can share those for multiple entries 
up until the uh, conclusion of the, the giveaway. So yeah, that, starting now. That sounded complicated, whatever you just 97 said. 97's the first one. Share it. Use the hashtags. Yes. Tag us. But if you want to share 96 or episode 13, feel free. Yeah. We won't hate you for it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Wow. Dude, episode we, uh, 97. We have some recent five-star reviews. People, we have people that actually like what we're trying to do. Not only that, but people are helping us out. We have asked to try to reach 100 reviews by the 100th episode. Yeah. And I think at this point we're getting close to less than 10. We're like 90-something. It's, yeah. It's happening. We're close there. Yeah. And so some of our recent ones, we've got uh, old Robbie Hun. Yeah. What do you say? He says, love this podcast. It's great information for those working in the industry. And more importantly, it's presented in a fun, easy-to-digest way. Love the casual nature of the format. Super entertaining, but also you learn a ton in each episode. Definitely recommend. You know what I recommend? What's that? I recommend the note that we just got through the glass of our window here, our little cage that they put us in to record it. Yeah. From our producer, Frank. Guess what? What's that? We're a five-star podcast. Unbelievable. Officially a five-star podcast. Which... Interesting fact, when you listen to episode 98 and 99... We won't be a five-star So here's what's, here's what's happening. Dude, here's what's happening. There is a back-to-future moment that's happening. You guys right now... You're in a time warp. ...are listening to the future. And you're finding out something that has happened. We are now a five-star podcast. What's going to happen when you, in your present moment... Listen to episode 98 or, or 99. 99. Yeah. You will be in the present, but you will be listening to the past. Listening to the past. And we will no longer be a five star podcast. So currently, think about that. <laughs> it's like, uh, what's the, it's like primer. Yeah. This is the, listening <laughs> to the show is like primer. There's right too now. many threads. So, Either way. Yeah. We didn't mention the other wow. one, so we're safe. But we're five. Wow. Dude, Cheers. High, high five. Five stars. Cheers to that. Wow. Now, there's time between now and then to lose the, the five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so potentially, episode 98 and 99 are totally true because we've lost a star. And that's the magic of uh, what we just did today <laughs> by recording three episodes yeah. so, in reverse order. Now, there was another another review. <laughs> another review here. Yeah. Uh, what, who's that by? By Tar One Dude. Tar one dude. What's up, dude? I shoot automotive YouTube videos. Not exactly the films these guys cover, but I'm learning so much about the creativity, business, and the film industry. These guys are awesome, and you don't need to be in the film industry to gain from this podcast. Why, thanks, dude. Thanks. Thanks, Tar dude. Thanks, dude. We agree. We think uh, we provide you know a few little nuggets of simply life advice that people can (laughs) 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 philosophy. This is philosophy. Sure. Our stoic this is great. Our stoic nature. Wow. Five star podcast. Do you can think you imagine? uh Frank, can you verify does Bob Vila oh. <laughs> Does Bob Vila have a five star podcast? Because when we launched Ooh. when we launched this podcast, we were on the homepage of iTunes with Bob Vila. And at this point in time I would like to know I don't know if you can look this up. I'm sure we can. Does no we don't we can't look this up? You're are you looking this up? I'm trying to. I want to know how many shows has Bob Vila done? How many ratings does Bob Vila have? This is a head to head battle. We started on the same day. Nah, we, well we were featured. We were on featured the on the same week. And has are we doing better or worse than Bob Vila? That's really the question. 
listeners, you can look this up. You can figure this out. But and we'd love to hear back from you. You know, that's that's really what, what I'm. What was getting his at. podcast called? I have know? no clue. This old house or something like that. What? But if you think that we are a better podcast than Bob Vila, we'd love to hear from you. Leave a five <laughs> leave a five star rating uh, if you'd like. Talk about it, or if you hate us and you really prefer Bob Vila, we'd love to hear that as well. Well, it if, might ruin our five star. And if you do hate us, we'd prefer that you come on the show. Yeah, talk to us face to face. Yes, so we can if, be constructive. And, if and you are it. Bob Vila. <laughs> You or, are more than welcome yeah. on the show. Yeah. Or if you know Bob Vila. You've got a bottle of Oyo with your name on it, We Bob. would love... We we have an open invite from now until the show ends, ever. Yeah. Bob Vila always has a place on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Him and uh, uh, James Franco. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be absolutely amazing. What a show that would be. I found it. At Home with Bob Vila. Yeah. What's he got? details what kind of ratings he got there's no there's he's, one review he's got nothing yeah bob's got one review podcasts are not downloading from itunes <laughs> we've got a, we've got a what almost a hundred reviews yes five stars we heard we're getting up there bob you are in need of some remodeling on your podcast <laughs> slacking buddy <laughs> Oh well, man! Anyway, I'm, it's, it's I am been a trip, absolutely dude. exhausted. It's been a trip. We've done three podcasts today. This is the, this is the dumbest idea ever, Frank. You're crazy, but also the most brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bart hates us at this point. Yeah, Bart the engineer is just like this is the worst day I've ever had. I've had uh, to listen to these guys banter for three hours. Yeah, and uh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and we yes, it's all about the listener though. It's, not, it's about this isn't for us. Yeah. We you know, we did this yeah. for two reasons. One, because people were available at the times <laughs> on this day. And two, so that we could actually uh prep our hundredth episode spectacular. <laughs> there is uh, so much pressure on Frank right now. This one hundredth episode, <laughs> it's it's the the best, the biggest event that Cincinnati's ever put on. <laughs> Um, it'll be the greatest thing ever. Basically, I mean, it is the most important uh, piece of media in the filmmaking industry yeah. that's ever occurred. It's going to be really, really great. Very, <laughs> very greatly, bigly, huge, and amazing. Yeah. I believe President Trump's going to be there. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. Somehow, Frank's going to pull this off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, we do. Okay, so this is 97. It's going to be the first one you hear out of three. After 99, just know, there's a big 100th episode spectacular, and beyond that, there's actually some really great stuff we've got in the works. Frank and I were talking. We've got some, You and I were Thanks talking. Thanks for including me. <laughs> me and Frank were talking. Actually, we've, uh, we've got- We've uh, replaced we've... Brandon. Uh, Bart's now uh, the host. <laughs> we've replaced- I have thought about like retiring. No, you're not. I'm so, I'm, I got to be honest. This show was built on transparency. This show was built on you and me. I, but I'm just telling you, this show is built on transparency. I've actually considered- As friends. I've considered retiring. Well- Because I feel- You know what I mean? Like some, I can't carry on without you. Really? That's what the tissues are for. I feel like- <laughs> I feel like this show is bigger than us. We have a Slack community. We've got other filmmakers so. involved. I feel like the show carries on. I would like to hear from the the listeners. Uh, so I would, I'd like to put this out there to if the listeners. Brandon retires. Uh, I would retire as well. 
What would I mean? Would You're you, putting the pressure on me. Would you guys still listen to the show if if me and Alex weren't on it, or if I retired and someone else came on the show? Would you guys still listen to the show? I'm I'm interested. I mean, I I like doing the show, but there's a lot of that goes into this. It's been a lot easier with Frank the producer, but mm. I mean, this is a serious commitment. And you know, guys, I'm kind of scared right now. Do we have? I need uh, to rally you to the superhero side and say, <laughs> no, we won't listen. We're at we're at 100 episodes. Not I mean, yet. where does this does this ever stop? Do we go to 200? Is it a thousand episodes? Brandon, does filmmaking ever stop? I don't does know. bourbon ever stop? No. <laughs> the beat goes on. The beat goes on. <laughs> well, anyway, but I, I had to put that out there. I had to put that out there. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious. That's fine. I'll I'll put it right back. <laughs> Box that up, bury it deep inside. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. And just stop. All right. Well, <laughs> guys, thanks so much for your support uh, and helping us become it. a five star podcast. We have reached uh, a pinnacle in our journey. Yeah. A lot Maybe of a low point in podcast, yeah. Yeah. but a pinnacle in our absolutely. Specific and uh, if at this point you are still with us. Yeah. I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode one, Superheroes Suck. And it's rough. Appreciate that journey with us and how far we've come. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, shedding a tear. I need a tissue. Brandon, cheers to you. <laughs> cheers to you, man. It's been great. Cheers to our podcast. Yeah. Cheers to our fans. <laughs> This podcast was recorded live at Sound Images Studio. Find out more at soundimages.com.